Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. is Talk Cosmos, and I'm Sue Rose Minahan, and tonight is May 16th, and we repeat on this coming Thursday at 6 o'clock in the morning, that's the Pacific time, or 9 o'clock on the East Coast, and it will be on the 21st. Tonight, we're talking about the Venus retrograde. It started on May 13th, just a few days ago, and here on the West Coast at 2.45 in the morning, and on the East Coast at 5.45 in the morning, if you're pulling up a chart. And in Europe, if you happen to be listening, it was at 7.44 a.m. I trust I've got that correct, and that would be on... Let's see, I'm all of a sudden, I'm confused. You know what? Let's delete that thought because of my notes. It was pretty quick and I had it and I may not have. The point is, it's retrograde everywhere. And what is retrograde? It's an apparent backward motion that the orbit of the planet from Earth's viewpoint appears to be in process. And it is our experience and it interrupts our perception, that particular transit. It is at 21 degrees, beginning at 21 degrees Gemini, and it will retrograde until June 25th at 5 degrees Gemini. And there is in this path, as we call it, a shadow path, which will extend to previous dates when it first started, which would have been at 5 degrees, which was in April. I think it was the April 25th. And I know my, my, uh, no, it wasn't. It was on June 10th or April 10th. Too many dates, too many thoughts. And then it actually extends after the retrograde it for the third time covering all this material, not material, but experience, re-experiencing until the end of July. So it's a very thorough uh, experience that we're all in ex- enduring, experiencing, and navigating. And it happens about every year and a half. It's a, 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 a particular feature of refiguring things. So with more of that, we will discuss. And now we're ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. 
And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog, I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, as above, as above, as below. Well, there you have it, the whole schmeel of energy, yes, <laughs> from ancient times to current times. And once again, the cycle of Venus continues. So Dr. Tad, Laura, I am very glad to have this opportunity once again in this series called Planet Buzz. Yes, thank you. It's great <laughs> to be back. And it, I know we're going to start doing this pretty much once a month that's going right. forward. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, that's right. And I'll say immediately to the audience, if you want to get subscribed, it's very simple. Just go to Talk Cosmos because you'll find out when Planet Buzz or Cosmic Collaboration or the New Beam team and other miscellaneous astrologers. And again, I might say too, if you're interested in contacting one of the guests, such as Dr. Tad, her mythic sky the link there rather than finding it is all at talk cosmos under the guests so that's going to be quite a a, a good schedule here going well this venus retrograde as we had both said it really once again is all the rewords i know i had a bunch and you've got a bunch revisit reorganize review recapitulate like i heard an orderly the astrologers say there's so many re redo you know it's most fascinating yeah well i mean because each i'll always look at it as sort of you put the prefix re in front of whatever the archetype is right so with at the moment you know we've got a lot of the sky retrograde and with this venus retrograde you know with venus representing what we love and value what we need to feel secure in the world all of that is being looked at again, right? We're reassessing, well, what do I really like? Who do I really like, right? That's what do I really want? It's why often during this period of time, exes show up or people from our past tend to show up during Venus retrograde periods. I mean, like, oh, huh, well, that like ex that you've been fantasizing was the one that got away, huh? What happens when they show back up and you realize they're not really who you had attached this ideal to. Um, and you get yes. to finish that up, that that karma or that story up in some ways. Uh, it's so true because really if, if our needs aren't being actually authentic, authentic for now, it's quite stressful. So it's a necessary pattern, you know, like what are our old patterns? It's, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, it's a big part of, particularly with Venus retrograde, that I think is always really important to keep in mind is her sonotic cycle, right? That what's actually happening astronomically, because she's changing from evening star, where she's been so bright in the sky for the last several months, um, 
to Morningstar, right? In this retrograde cycle, she'll very soon, um, and a couple on the like 25th or so, she'll disappear and we won't see her for a couple weeks. Yes. <laughs> um, and then reappears Morningstar, right? That's what happens with Venus retro. Part of the astronomy with Venus retrograde is her shifting from evening star to morning star, right? So, and what that means is that, you know, so when she's evening star, right, we can see the planet at night that the sun sets before the planet. And for those who don't know, right? And then when it flips, then you see Venus early in the morning before the sun rises. Yes. And so that's part of, I think, particularly with Venus. I think that shifting becomes really part of a key piece of, of her retrograde cycle um, to understand. She's not only invisible when she's retrograde, but... Um, there's, yeah, there's so much mythology about yeah. that that really is demonstrative of understanding some of the characteristics that were shedding because every culture had it. Oh, there's some being in the Western traditions as we are, that we, our culture seems to accept more. For instance, of like Inanna who, and maybe, and not everybody knows of it, but as she descended and just, let go of all her possessions in a sense it was of her values and then yeah three well, days and then returning yeah descending into the underworld right and this disappearing and so and in astrology then you know we often talk about it as like when venus is combust in somebody's chart right is that it's within you know five to 10, you know, some astrologers say 15 degrees away from, from the sun and natally, right. That often is this mixed bag for people because people with sun conjunct Venus, which would be a combust Venus, um, tend to be Venusian, right. They're sort of Venus incarnate because they've got a sun Venus conjunction. Um, but then because the, planet the star was not visible when they were born they can struggle to see their own value to express and self-esteem that is so important it's very true and combust i've actually seen that i mean perhaps many of you have but these sun's beams are so brilliant out as it's setting that actually it doesn't have to be setting but the point is it's happened to be setting at this time that you just literally could hardly see it yeah you know, it's it's the radiation out of it when when you go look at the because you're quite a sky watcher that's i really appreciate that you bring that into context i've got to get you off of my balcony so oh it's wonderful to know what direction to look out like i have a south window too so that at nighttime here it's it's pretty visible but that's very true this these factors that venus is emphasizing are because she rules two signs yeah part yeah it would be both the taurus which is the second sign and the seventh sign 
of Libra. So there's partnerships of Libra or, I mean, there's many others, but it's self and other. Yeah. And then the survival and the self and reliance uh, of possessions, you know, of financial. Yeah, Mediterranean. But that self-esteem too is mm-hmm. so important to an embodiment. That was another factor I was thinking. I was thinking really in a retrograde time, our relationships are so, because it is in, and I didn't finish that sentence, I apologize, <laughs> but because she's in Gemini, you know, we're communicating to our self thoughts. Well, I don't know, a lot of times over media these days because we are being isolated but as we communicate you know it's with others and then it's also with ourselves, and it's embodying ourselves. if we can embody more that is a real process of connecting to our self-esteem and values which yeah well and i think with it being in gemini for this retrograde, right? It doesn't always happen, but it happens to be with this one that she's in the same sign for the totality of the retrograde. And so it's this piece, because Gemini is sort of a funky sign for Venus to be in, right? It's not a very, it's a hyper analytical sign and that's not Venus as an archetype. Yeah, not intimate, not (laughs) not sensual, not close. That's true. Um, But so we're, it's a lot of a lot of this processing of what we value is really going to be a mental process it's going to be really thinking about even though it's venus thinking about what we value um yes in fact i'll just jump in and i've got a note here feelings are the vehicle and thoughts are the passenger so what our attention and emotion they energize you know our, our manifestation. Yeah. 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 I think that for sure that that's, that's part of, part of that. Um, and, and that too, cause Gemini is one of the really dual signs as an energy. Right. And so Gemini on its own is sort of weighing out options just as an archetype. Hmm. Um, right? Making a pro and con list is a very sort of Gemini task. Um, and so that then happening with, with what we value, what we want, you know, some of the things that I think we tend to go over at this time, right? Is, um, I mean, what we want that's physical, tactile, that like, you know, possessions that we want to have, or, you know, good time to spring clean. A lot of people have been doing that anyway, because everybody's stuck at home. So people are going through their closets and getting rid of stuff. Yeah, making Um, space, making space for new. And then it's, oh, well, what do you replace it with, if anything? True. Do you like that extra space? Is Did you have more than you needed? And do you actually like having less? because that gives you more breathing room, potentially. It's so true. Everything that one owns has a memory or a purpose, or even if it wasn't conscious, it's just a deeper reflection. And so it really, 
it's interesting that here we are isolated. Some it's changing somewhat, but still in isolation, looking at what we possess. So rather than going out and accruing more, it's assessing, reassessing why and for what function. Because Taurus has a lot about purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and then I was thinking too with, you know, bringing the mental part, asking like, is our communication working? You know, mm -hmm. like you were bringing up that our past relationships, which as we go back this time, this particular Venus retrograde, as I was saying, goes back to April. But those other plans, which you which we know that you made reference to, and I'll just mention Saturn, the outer one, Saturn and Jupiter, they both went retrograde as of a couple of days ago also, and they go back to February. So that's really, like you were saying, re-structuring uh, like mm -hmm. Saturn and re-philosophizing or rethinking our belief systems. And it's all integrated with, with values. I mean, it seems like such a potent stage that we're going through to... Yeah, to idea. I mean, I think that it's helping as challenging as this time has been for so many that all of this coinciding or, you know, the synchronicity um, or perfection of the fact that all of this is happening at the same time as what, you know, is just happening in the world um, is laying the stepping stones right to what is the new normal going to look like because we're not nothing's going to be the same it is and you know you can't walk in the step in the same river twice but this is sort of at a more extreme mm -hmm. level now and so i think all of this retrograde planets in the sky and really this year everything goes retrograde so things will go direct but then we get Every other planet in the sky will go retrograde at some point this year. Yep. And it is this laying the foundation, laying the stepping stones for this new world, whatever that ends up looking like. I love that idea of stepping stones. And you know, that really goes along with the Gemini. Hermes was the ancient times of the stone marker, you know, use bricks or stones for marking because it had to do about time and travel and so many parts of that. And as you're saying, stepping stones across the river, because really, or reorganizing, that's another reword, our values, are they in order? Because there's apparent chaos when we need to totally abandon old habits mm -hmm. and, and routines all of these factors that we're addressing with it's you know it's it's always such a reflection for me to realize that we're talking in a, a consistency here because of the universal experience so often these archetypes and yet they still are uh, personalized through one's own lifestyle of, I mean, still there's all kinds of factors. Some people have children, some don't, some work from home already, some don't, some are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Some are getting support from work. But the fact is, is that we're all in some ways needing to find center in this chaos. And it has to do with our values of body and spirit. Yeah, I think that that's definitely 
a piece of it. And then, you know, if people know their own astrology, it's seeing, okay, well, where are these retrograde planets? How are, where are they traveling through in one's own chart? Mm. Right. So what part of their life is getting spotlit during a given, during a given transit, during a given, you know, retrograde is that then how that ends up manifesting has nuance to it because it's going to impact people differently. So people who have really significant parts of their charts that are in the mutable signs are going to experience this retrograde more intensely, right? So if you have things in Gemini, if you have things in Sag, if you have things in Pisces or Virgo, this will be a more intense experience. That's why not everybody experiences retrograde, Mercury retrograde in the same way. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And it is the mutable, which also is just like the word mutable. It, it's flexible. It, yeah. it shifts so that uh, for other people that could be, that had more fixed energy in a sense, disruptive, I suppose, because of the fact that there is so much uh, versatility occurring you know it thinks this way you think that way it's it's but yet it is trying to remobilize it, you know it's that um working on everything you know when i look at the chart now you're on the east coast mm-hmm. for those folks dr tad is on the east coast and i sue rose am on the West Coast. So, of course, we have three hours difference, which means that the planets are still doing the same thing. But where they are in these charts, just like the peoples, each individual's would be different, too. So here on the West Coast, it's all on the eastern side of self on the chart, interestingly. And did you... I did not pull up one for for the East Coast. When she went retrograde? Yeah, on the 13th, just a couple um, days ago. What time was it? That was at 5.45 a.m. your time. So then that would still be um, the Eastern, that would still be the left side of the chart. Oh, okay. Right, anything before noon, pretty much. Okay, yeah, I have um, the Ascendant, just one degree Pisces right on the beginning, which means Mars is right, right there. But so, I mean, three degrees, it might be a sign and a half different. But three hours might be, right? So two and about two hours. Of, oh, this is true. This about is two true. hours a sign. Thank you. That's right. So. Honing down from mental. See, that's another thing. Venus is part of Taurus and it needs to ground. One needs to get away from this mental part. That's like you were saying. It's not always such a immediate sign for Venus to be in because it is mental and it gets caught up in that part and that goes back to I think the importance here is to use the sense the senses the sensuality of life and ground like reality anyway I'm probably driving that home which I will repeat (laughs) in different ways yes but so in a few minutes before our half hour looking at this chart you know, Venus is right next to the North Node, meaning she really is asking us to, and and Neptune, the the great dissolute, uh, 
dissolving factor of, of timelessness is asking us to really uh, let, well, refactor that sense of communication with our values, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a piece of that, that again, like all of this stacked up shift that was like, oh, the nodes just change signs, which only mm-hmm. happens every year and a half yeah. or so, right? Months, it's like, right. it, you know, it's 18 and a half years around the Zodiac. So there's so much that is just shifting really powerfully and that again it's sort of this perfection of this time is the universe is supporting us all to make the most out of this shifting time right of what do we value what do we if we get to birth invent and give birth to a new world Mm, new paradigm what do we want it to look like? Because part of yes. what happens with this retrograde and her becoming visible is she is not visible again after that, she, until she goes into cancer. That is so important. This is absolutely valid because the whole idea of the evening and the morning star, the, the morning star of the war, the warrior type of, of that bringing your heartfelt desires of just enactment and by then her long cycle of when she will be this morning star in that yeah. point because she also and it really is to get the orb that you need to have her truly be visible it's on the solstice like it is when you get the because you give 10 to 15 degree orb giving that orb oh yes you don't it hits on the solstice the sun is zero degrees cancer to get those orbs so that's part of, and cancer's all about birth. Cancer's the most maternal sign of the zodiac. So there is this birthing of our new values that can come in. Um, yeah. Well, I love that too, because I was just looking at the moon and then we'll go to a break, but the moon here is in tension with an in Aquarius of authenticity. I keep going back. I mean, there's, we can look at it as, trauma and genius and etc but authenticity it wants the real deal and it is as you were saying the birthing factor this nurturing part of ourselves of the uh intention or in square i'm trying to speak liberally for people to follow it with the ruler the modern ruler of aranus so and aranus is in in the tarian values so it's just a real good echo here an echo chamber of saying just what you were uh, bringing attention to for our thoughts as we had said earlier what we see is what we get well we shall return with dr tad and this is about venus retrograde talk cosmos planet buzz thank you so much we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. 
We're currently in the period of Taurus. By leaving a cycle based upon initiation, the energy of Taurus integrates spirit into a solid form of matter that is tangible and physical. It's an earth sign concerned with self-sufficiency and the values to maintain the strength of a life form throughout its survival. Would you like to re-empower the desires manifesting your dreams? Come ignite your summer solstice eclipse new moon energies in a Talk Cosmos two-part online workshop event featuring their very own cosmic collaboration panel on Sunday, June 14th from noon to 2 p.m. and navigate your experience during this current Gemini-Venus retrograde period while communicating to your deep self your authentic values. And Monday, June 15th from 5 to 7 p.m. with the Moonbeam team, which includes an experimental ceremonial workshop to release unwanted and worn out patterns to express the life you desire. To register for this Talk Cosmos online workshop, go to eastwestbookshop.com, click on online events, and join Talk Cosmos to redesign your vision. This is Dawn Glinsky from Six O'Clock Astrology, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Alternative Talk, 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Well, welcome back. This is Talk Cosmos on May 16th, repeated on the 21st. And I am speaking with Dr. Laura Tad of Mythic Sky, which you can also find at Talk Cosmos if you forget and want to find out just the guest information. And we're talking about Venus retrograde that started on May 13th and will continue until June 25th and has a shadow period that dated back till April and will extend all the way through July where we get this wonderful opportunity every year and a half to really look at our value system. What are they? Are they working? And it's not like that's foreign to us. We've been probably uh, wondering of those various times, but we are addressing it because she is right now in Gemini which is a communication sign and ruled by Mercury, which is also ruling the nodes. It just recently ingressed or entered Gemini Sagittarius, which it does every year and a half. And we will discover more and more really what that means. Just like the ones that we left uh, just a few, a week ago, which finished in North Node in Cancer with the South Node in Capricorn. And who would have thought, I have to keep remembering my, reminding myself, that we would be in a home-based environment such as Cancer is so known for and processing our own worlds. Well, now things have changed. We're really doing an emphasis on the thinking patterns. But the fact is, is that Venus wants us to embody things. So I did a little recap there, but Dr. Tad and I are, we're talking a little bit about the chart and we'll probably continue and who knows where we'll go in this voyage of, of mental self-value voyage. Yes. Well, Venus is in Gemini, so. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Thank you. You know, I, I have to mention this. Well, there's two things to mention, but I'll do this. I, somebody had a book. We have a little free library out here. And another person was mentioning what a great time to have one because the libraries are shut. Mm -hmm. So people 
exchange and I'm not too worried about wearing my gloves, I must say, when I take a book. I'm a real bookaholic. So there was one on Shakespeare's sonnets. Now I have Shakespeare's books. My grandmother adored him. I had a statue. It was a big feature. But I have not read all of Shakespeare. My mother, on the other hand, knew the stories frontwards and backwards because my grandmother loved him. But this was a sonnet 145. And it was, it brought to me really a, an, a thought about Venus and in Ooh. the sense of our values, because the whole beginning line, and that's how they know one sonnet from the other, I learned, those lips that love's own hand did make, meaning oneself, really, breathes forth the sound that said, I hate. And so it goes on to say that by the end, it's not that long, these sonnets are maybe 15, 12 lines or something, but says it threw away from hate th she threw and saved my life saying, not you. And one could interpret that as saying, oh, she didn't hate me. In other words, the other person, but rather because this is really a, a business of find, finding our values, the relationship with self and others, you know, the connections, revaluing them. It, it's mm -hmm. not hating oneself because that goes back to that idea of self-esteem that's so fundamental and important to to shift so that we can build it and right. well i think it. that's that's part of that sonotic transition from more from evening star to morning star right from a more mm -hmm. traditional understanding that she's venus's evening star is much more of an internal process Mm, I love it. And it's much more active and as Morningstar, um, even just in the myths and the archetypes. And so that's part of this. I sort of have tended to sort of think of, well, that's this duality that she has of this Taurus Libra is that in some ways maybe she's more Taurian as Evening Star and more Libran as or as evening star, she's more Taurian, and as morning star, she's more Libran. Ah. And that, so that's part of that self versus, oh, well, self in relation. It's not yes. just other, it's, it's self and other. It's how are we in relation to other people, right? That's how, like, with the seventh house, well, it's not just our partners. It's what do we project onto other people? Because it's easier to have somebody else play it out than figure it out for ourselves. For good or bad, it's absolutely true. And a good reason, as you had brought in from the very beginning, why during this time, past relationships, whether as an ex-person or just some work experience that we have that um, is is current in our thinking and all yeah. of that. And that even just so thinking true. about, you know, yeah, it can be people from our past. I was looking up just a little so the last time she was retrograde in gemini at almost the exact same degrees was the last was 2012. she went retrograde at 20 almost 24 and got back to seven and a half um so it may also be things that happened or began in 2012, May to June 2012, um, that cycle back around for people. 
because that's part of that the whole thing with astrology is it's cyclical it doesn't mean it happens identically each time the cycle moves through but it can have whispers of previous times that it's transverse in the same way um it is. It's like the spiral of life, which again and again, that form of creation comes through. But this this identification reminding us right now, Laura, Dr. Tad, that 2012, because universally, in many ways, that was a shift of some consciousness. I know that for myself, I happen to visit... Uh, Guatemala and Tikal, you know, it was supposed to be when the calendar ended for Mayan, the Mayan calendar. And yet, you know, we're right now, in a sense, we're also doing a very abstract, and I say abstract because it's not so concrete, we can't just prove things, but the we can prove that the environments are changing, but we can't prove how our thinking is changing necessarily. And that's what I was relating back to, that 2012, in a sense, was was like this recalibration of mm-hmm. yeah, where we've been and going. Yeah, well, and I do think that I've started to see people's thought processes shift, you know, um, yeah. already um, in terms of even politically, right? That there's tides turning and people that held certain beliefs for the last several years are suddenly saying, huh, maybe not. <laughs> um, and, and being able to witness, you know, environmentally in terms of just how Mother Earth is rebounding um, and what that shows us of like, oh, when we give her a break from humanity for a little while, um, she recovers pretty fast. You know, all of those photos of aerial shots of, you know, different parts of the world and how polluted they were a year ago to date compared to now. And it's astounding. Oh, it is wonderful because really if we're going to trust and a lot of self-esteem has to do with trust, can we get the signs and signals from life to because we can't know everything. We can't envision every little experience that's happening, but can we trust that we will receive these? And that has to do with our self-esteem and et cetera. But here we're trusting there for the universe. And we could say that nature of course is, which we understand part of, I mean, is largely dictated by the, the forces of the greater unknown, the, the universe. And, and here she's acting, it is, or however we want to identify, uh, responding and not just responding as though it's like by itself operating is what you're saying, rather without our, despite us, which I think really is a big part of all of this is to put ourselves into a factor. I know I was listening to Mark Jones, um, the current Mark Jones, not to not Mark Edmund Jones. Exactly. Who's no longer alive. And for those other people, he's a wonderful older astrologer that did but so much. But he probably passed away in the early seven. yes years. But Mark Jones of England, and he was bringing back the idea of the the levels that uh, 
Venus is survival conditioning and awareness of the inner heart value level. It grounds for our survival and, and, and of course, love and desires. And then Jupiter sort of attached on a little higher of faith. And then Neptune, which interesting right now, Venus and Neptune, as I was saying, are in square, their intention, which for good purpose of higher consciousness so that we can perhaps shift our smaller viewpoint into the larger viewpoint and this whole relationship with nature as you're bringing up right well that that venus that it, you know neptune is the higher octave of venus right that venus is what we love and value and is very in some ways can be very ego driven but definite and very tactile and physical world where neptune is universal love it's universal compassion it's kuan yin it's the Buddha, right? I mean, that's that Neptunian, you know, universal compassion and love. And so it's this more elevated love. Yes. And, and does relate really to nature. And like, you know, the fact that isn't this wonderful that, that our partner could be with nature, as you were saying, how we treat the earth, that it isn't that we have to plant everything and dictate how it's going to be. If we just let nature be, nature pretty well yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, to me, I'm a fan of squares. I know most people are, you know, they're challenging, but um, I, no, I agree. I spoke at the Astrology Guild in Tucson in February about. Um, reframing squares was my the title of my talk and how that the gift of them is they hold the archetypes in check that they can't those archetypes so venus and gemini can't be too overly chatty and scattered without deeper meaning because it collides with the energy of neptune with that 90 degree tension oh i I like it. It's like a check and balance system. Like yeah, supposedly exactly. In the United States is that it and up. and conversely that Neptune in Pisces that could be so dreamy and spacey and just never manifest into anything is forced to communicate because of the Venus in Gemini. Yeah. It has to give words to this universal love and compassion concepts that it's putting out into the world, and so it it even though it's an air sign to a certain degree there's a concretizing well this it. in, yes and interesting that i found that sonnet because i was thinking of poetry so yeah which is very neptunian yeah. and at that time when he wrote it early in the book he was mentioning about uh, and it was okay some well, let's see but he was mentioning a little bit if this ear of corn will be accepted and in other words, it, it, the interpretation of this was that plays at that time weren't really considered literature. How much that's changed since Shakespeare's time, you know, plays are on Broadway. Everybody knows about one or the other one and or musicals, you know, what with the uh, one we just had uh, that was, oh boy, a big one. It's skipping my mind, but it was about um, Hamilton. That's mm -hmm. right. And so it's it's like, that's what we do now but that's another factor was that the aesthetics because venus is also beauty 
and beauty is also part of survival. They found out scientifically, you know, birds get attracted, etc. All these animals and people, it, it keeps pro, uh, the propagation for survival. But so, so yeah, um, I mean, I think in some ways Venus and Gemini can be the beauty of ideas, the beauty of words, yes. the beauty of communication. Um, that that can be part of what we're being asked to revisit is, and two with that, because there's been so much confusion with what's gone on with this pandemic um, and misinformation, or we think this, but then it, it changes, or it's just ever evolving, that the need to be really careful with, with what we say that we're having to reevaluate, re oh, okay, right. If people are going to take what's reported lock, stock and barrel and not apply critical thinking to it, okay, then you have to be really, really careful in what you say. Really? And that I think is part of what we're being asked to, to explore for the next six weeks. Yeah, and in actually in many ways it'll continue because the nodes are in Gemini, sure. North Node, and of course Jupiter. So it is that belief system and and the words that, that words are things. You know, they're manifestations. There's so many cultures that that really uh, work strongly with that. So not to take it lightly, that's so true. Um, yeah, but so the, the value, I think what's different with the retrograde, because I think communication and ideals, yes, that'll be a big focal point um, with the nodes having switched, but that this idea with the Venus there of the value in what we have to say is what I have oh, to yes. mean that, you know, gotcha. I'll get people ask me, you know, oh, can you predict when I'm going to die? And I don't do that as an astrologer, no. even if I believed I could could predict it. Um, I don't know how it's helpful. Well, so exactly. I see. unless somebody was given a terminal illness and they were given, you know, six months to a year, maybe I would look at it to give them some sense of a timeline because they were terminal. And so, okay. But short of that, I don't go there because what's the value of my first response is, is it helpful? If it's not helpful, I don't tell the person. And, um, it sort of makes me think of, I'm reading this book right now about it. Uh, uh, he was an astrologer in the 1500s in Italy, Jerome uh, Serrano, I believe. Uh -huh. And he, at one point he was even an astrologer to Henry VIII. And um, so he was very prominent. He's also like started quantum physics basically. Wow. Um, really fascinating human being. Oh, I'm um, but that. part of what I was discovering and reading about him is that he saw in King Edward's chart, who was King Henry VIII's son, that he wouldn't live very long, but he couldn't predict that mm. because the potential political fallout of him predicting that was devastating. And yet, he's then discredited for having made a different prediction when the guy dies a year later. Well, this is an excellent point. I was just, it's reminding me, I just was reading about the 
ethics or the the wisdom of sharing with astrological consultation but it goes to everything in life that really what is the the purpose just really of what you're saying of sharing certain information to somebody because there's certain people that really just want to discover that themselves they do not want and it's not asked for not to provide it in other words we get such an idea of just sharing everything which brings me to this article that i just saw in the paper yesterday in seattle times nation and world was a category under the news of course talk likely causes virus transmission Mm -hmm. so they're finding that as they're trying to figure out all the different um, you know things about it and that if the projection that it may dissipate but that still it can float in the air for 8 to 14 minutes well you know you consider all the the changes that are occurring Again, we're going back to that mutable idea. It's just the experience that this energy right now is needing to have. So that's what we're dealing with. You could look at it that way. But that really talk, you know, I've never seen a any kind of an article that even suggested that. And here we are in a time when either Sagittarius, the South Node, needs to have a voice and Gemini is the communication. Of course, it could be communication like a psycho pump, but, but still it's just on one level that emphasis. And then we have this, this situation where we're not gathering, but we do in our close groups. So it goes back to thinking that what you're presenting here, I'm so grateful for, is to really evaluate the purpose of why we talk and express, not to censor it, because there's ways of writing our three-day pages like Julia Cameron of the artist way suggests every morning, flush it out. Right. You know, there's so many methods. And, and that again, can be great internally to like think, I think morning pages are awesome. I recommend them to clients all the time. Um, but that what we choose to share, right? And then that goes back to her becoming Morningstar, if that's more of the Libran expression, um, is, okay, really being consciously choosing our words, consciously choosing what we, sh- what we share, how we share it. I think that that too will be part of this as she's shifting into and we move through this retrograde, it's like, well, hopefully we'll be shifting into a time where we can do more in-person, face-to-face communication. It won't all be virtual um, so that, you know, we can, we're revisiting that. It's almost like we're having to go back to, right, oh, right, I forgot what it was like to really look somebody in the eyes when I spoke with them. Because it's been so much time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this, it, it gets tied into this shift into Morningstar where she'll be, you know, for the next several months, you know, quite a while. Before yes. she, and she starts uh, transitioning again. So I'm glad you brought brought this up linked it together which again is connections right gemini i mean it's like connecting these facts 
because we can think of this factor, but how does it really link in? And the fact that Venus will be a re is in retrograde and initiating, that's how Venus initiates a new, new uh, well, I'm thinking of the Venus star point, but the retrograde is very important in that process. And that morning experience, that fresh ig ignition energy of, yeah. of, of, uh, so that it, it there's a whole shift because the Mayans, it was two different goddesses and not just the Mayans, you know. Well, no, yeah, in Greece as well. It was, you know, it um, morning star was phosphorus, right? We get the word phosphorescent light. That's the all the etymology oh. of light. Oh, boy, it's I Venus love it. Being morning star. Oh, thank you, Dr. Tad. Well, I will bring this moment just to bring up that next Saturday will be the Moonbeam team and the Moonbeam team speaks of the new moon in Gemini. It'll be the new season. Well, not new season, but the new archetypal period of time that the sun's ingressing and what energies and what is it that really in this experience that we commonly have as we keep being displayed in so many ways and the full moon, which is that systematic two-week progression as the sky evolves. And, you know, with these talks about planets, it is really a good experience to get outside and see them in the sky, such as you do and Gemini Breda, who I take classes from, emphasizes, and so many other astrologers, too. It's really yeah. a part of our system. And you've got about nine days before Venus will disappear. So from what I was, you know, the 25th. Um, oh boy. Is when she'll, we won't, we'll not be able to see her again until sort of the end of June. So if you're going to get out and try to see Venus, you got to do it next week or you, you got to wait till June. Yeah. And spring is a great time. I was just noticing some of these values that I've seen in the paper, like bird watching soars among bored Americans, just getting out there. Isn't that a perfect symbolism of Gemini and of beauty and nature, you know, Taurus, everything It's, I think uh, the world is managing to, to re-identify our in, in enjoying nature in some way and and yeah absolutely I mean I think hopefully that will be part of what comes out of this I'm very grateful that I live somewhere where I've got a lot of nature around me though you know because we've everybody's having distance there's you know more animals out that maybe I don't want around. <laughs> well, it is discernment, isn't it? Yes. So as we communicate, and I guess that's part of it. We have about half a minute here, Laura, Dr. Ted. And so that that's an interesting factor to But, you know, coyotes out. walking through downtown San Francisco. Oh, boy, I'd like to see that, actually. Well, I want to thank Dr. Laura Tad of Mythic Sky part of Planet Buzz very much for talking about the Venus retrograde and I wish all of you there wherever you're focusing on your sky and your early Venus in the morning that's about half an hour before she rises the sun rises you can see her but later that'll be later so right now get to the sky because it's in the west sky and she's pretty low yeah because she's gonna be invisible pretty soon 
Well, we'll check back in June and it will be great pleasure. Yes. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Till again. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.